Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is August 16th. This week we're going to be studying Helaman chapters 1 through 6. Now for most of the week we're going to focus mostly on chapters 3 through 6. In 1 through 3 we get a much clearer look at the secret combinations. We see how these men are willing to do anything for power and for money. In fact, in chapter 1, we see the story where Kishkumen murders Pahoran to get Pakumani in the chief judge seat. So these first couple chapters show us how corrupt and how evil it was. And so to start out today, I just want to talk a little bit about secret combinations and some prophecies that have been given about secret combinations in our day. First of all, there are a few things that we can learn about secret combinations from the book of Helaman and 3rd Nephi. These were things that were true of secret combinations in the book of Mormon, and these are things that are most likely true of secret combinations in our day now. So I'm just going to run through a list really quickly of things that we learn about secret combinations or characteristics of secret combinations in the book of Mormon, in the book of Helaman. First of all, they swear secret oaths. Second, their oaths are oftentimes sworn in God's name. Third, they seek for an overthrow of political or religious authority. Fourth, they murder for gain. Fifth, they are constantly seeking to escape punishment for their actions and oftentimes are successful in escaping punishment for their actions. Sixth, they're oftentimes disguised. Um, they try to blend in with the people that they're trying to destroy. They're often described as wolves in sheep's clothing. Seven, they target anyone who might expose their evil designs. Eight, there is strength in numbers through false promises. So they oftentimes exaggerate their numbers to make people feel more secure in their secret combinations. Nine, they offer temporal security through protection or through riches they believe in the philosophy of might makes right. So if we're strong enough and if, if we can take something, then it's okay that we take it. Or if we're strong enough and we can destroy something, then it's okay that we destroy it. Strength equals if it's okay or not. Eleven, they go for easy acceptance. They seek out targets who will accept them quickly and easily. And then finally, thirteen, they work in darkness their means are dark, their purposes are dark, they like to move around in secret and not let anyone know about what's going on. Now, as I described those, did you think of anything in our day? I know I did. I truly believe that there are secret combinations still in our day. They might not describe themselves that way, they might not think of themselves that way, but truly there are people in our day who are seeking for power or for riches and who move about in darkness seeking to destroy things that get in their way. And that is to be expected. Ezra Taft Benson in a 1961 conference said, in the contemporary world, secret combinations take various forms and operate at different levels of society. The prophet Moroni seemed greatly exercised, lest in our day, we might not be able to recognize the startling fact that the same secret societies which destroyed the Jaredites and decimated numerous kingdoms of both the Nephites and Lamanites would be precisely the same form of criminal conspiracy which would rise up among the Gentile nations in this day. And then John Taylor once said, These secret combinations were spoken of by Joseph Smith years and years ago. I have heard him time and time again tell about them, 
and he stated that when these things began to take place, the liberties of this nation would begin to be bartered away. My friends, as much as we sometimes don't want to recognize or see it, truly we live in a day of secret combinations, much like they did in the Book of Mormon. So it's important that we learn about them, it's important that we learn to recognize them, and it's important that we not be tricked or swayed by them. So these chapters, one through three, they are important, but it's not where I'm going to spend the bulk of my time this week. I'm going to spend my time more in chapters three through six, where we can focus on the doctrines of the Book of Mormon rather than the histories of the Book of Mormon. But I did want to make you aware that those histories of the secret combinations can be found all throughout the Book of Helaman, but very strongly in those first couple chapters. Now, a couple quick things about the Book of Mormon before we jump into those doctrines. First of all, the Helaman here is the grandson of Alma the Younger. He's the son of Helaman, who's the son of Alma. The Book of Helaman also spans the period from about 58 BC to about 1 BC. So we're going to span about 60 years in this book. And the other important thing to recognize about the Book of Helaman is this is where the Nephites and the Lamanites begin to switch places. I remember being a kid, like 11, 12 years old, and telling a Sunday school teacher that the Book of Mormon was super confusing for me, that I didn't understand it. And I remember she asked me why, and my answer was, I never know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. I never know if it's the Nephites that are good or the Lamanites that are good. And the reason is, is because here in the book of Helaman, they begin to switch places. The more part of the Lamanites begin to be righteous, and the more part of the Nephites begin to be wicked. So that is something important to recognize as you begin the book of Helaman. We begin to see that in chapter 3. Verse 25 says, And so great was the prosperity of the church, and so many the blessings which were poured out upon the people, that even the high priests and the teachers were themselves astonished beyond measure. And it came to pass that the work of the Lord did prosper unto the baptizing and uniting to the church of God many souls, yea, even tens of thousands. Thus we may see that the Lord is merciful unto all who will, in sincerity of their hearts, call upon his name. Yea, thus we see that the gate of heaven is open unto all, even to those who will believe on the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. Now, I love these scriptures because it teaches me that God is quick to forgive, that he is quick to open up the gate of heaven to anyone who will repent and who will believe on him. Elder Renland once said, God cares a lot more about who we are and about who we are becoming than about who we once were. Once these people who had previously been sinners and wicked, once they repented, once they used the atonement of Jesus Christ, God didn't care who they had been before. He cared about the direction that they were headed. He cared about who they wanted to be. My friends, I testify that the atonement of Jesus Christ isn't just for the vilest of sinners. It isn't just for the worst of the worst sins. The atonement of Jesus Christ is for every single one of us, for the big things and for the small things in our lives, for the daily mistakes, and even more importantly, it's for the perfecting of the saints. It's for taking our weaknesses and turning them into strengths. 
And as we do that, as we use the atonement of Jesus Christ, as we are in this process of perfection, our Father in heaven is opening his arms and the gates of heaven for us. He loves us. And the Savior Jesus Christ is waiting with open arms for us to accept his atonement into our lives. That must have been such an incredible doctrine for these wayward sinners who were baptized into the church. Hugh Nibley once said, Who is righteous? Anyone who is repenting. No matter how bad he has been, if he is repenting, he is a righteous man. There is hope for him. And no matter how good he has been all his life, if he is not repenting, he is a wicked man. The difference is which way you are facing. The man on top of the stairs facing down is much worse off than the man on the bottom step who is facing up. The direction we are facing, that is repentance, and that is what determines whether we are good or bad. My friends, the atonement of Jesus Christ is real, and it is as real for our minor little things as it is for the major sins of the Lamanites. Heavenly Father allows for repentance for the vilest of sinners to the truest of saints. Let us turn our faces towards the Savior and repent daily and consistently so that we too can become more like the Savior, closer and closer to Him every time we use His atonement. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to subscribe, to like, to comment, and to share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.